This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Focus Leader One Day Intensive. To focus your leadership, claim your ticket to our September 5th intensive before June 15th when early bird pricing expires. Find out more at lead2.win slash intensive. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. In this episode, we're going to talk about a vital subject for every business leader, and that is how to recruit and retain world-class talent. The reason that's important is because your company is going to rise and fall on the talent you hire. You know, as leaders, we have the vision for where we want our company to go, but without the right people on the bus, we're never going to get there because we can't do it by ourselves. We're counting on our team to execute on our vision. So it's imperative that we attract and retain the very, very best talent because nothing will undermine your vision like B and C level players. And the truth is, and this may sound like we're bragging, but we've had great success in hiring A level players, world-class players. Our clients have recognized it. Our industry's recognized it. And we're going to talk about in this episode exactly how you become the kind of company that people are begging to join. And we brought Larry into this conversation to lead us through it. Larry, welcome. Hey, Larry. Hey, guys. Well, I have a question. Our hiring process is exceedingly thorough. It is. Other places I've worked, I've been hired for, frankly, positions with more responsibility and not had nearly the close examination from a variety of angles that we have here and that all new hires go through. Can you tell me why you are so thorough in your hiring process? Yeah, I think that we take the culture of our company really seriously. We feel like we're stewards of it. We feel like we're responsible to uh, our current team to continue to make it better. And every time you add a new team member, the chemistry is going to change positively or negatively. And I know I personally feel a great responsibility to ensure that the people we're adding to the team are a positive addition and to make sure that they're set up for success. You know, we want to put people in roles that they're naturally hardwired to win at because we're looking for a long-term win-win relationship. Yeah. And I think so often people are considered in isolation from the culture or from the team. And they're simply asking, are they qualified? Do they have the right experience and all that? But where we've spent the majority of our time is in the fit. And how is it creating an overall, you know, image or experience for all the employees so that we all feel good about what we're working in and we can work and bring to uh, the company our best gifts every day. Can you give me a snapshot? Has there been a hire that you were able to make, maybe it took a little longer than you hope because the process is very thorough. Give me a success story on yeah. how this works. Well, we actually just did it. Um, we've had several this year, but the most recent one is that uh, we just hired a new CFO and his name is Jared. And uh, he's completed his first week. He's now in the beginning or middle, I guess, now of his second week. And we already feel like he's been with us for months. The fit there is just, I would say it's in like, you know, our top five all-time greatest Mm -hmm. fits, you know, just like immediately right off the bat, knowing that it's the right thing. And 
what's amazing is that not only does did he have exactly the right skills and experience to do uh, this job in an amazing way, but the cultural fit, who he is uh, personality-wise, just, you know, kind of all the things that make up who he is are totally in alignment with who we are as an organization. And probably the most rewarding part of that has been to see the reaction of our team. So when you do this well and when it works, what happens is, is you your team will come to you with a ton of enthusiasm for the person that you just hired. And that's really what you're looking for. You know, you want them to be as impressed as you were in the interview process once that person is on board. And it's been really fun to see. And I think we're just only getting started with Jared. I would agree with that totally. We are looking at why your company can stand out and why people will want to join your company. And we're starting with level one, which you guys have put as the lowest level. Mm -hmm. And that is a competitive salary. Why is that the lowest reason that a person would join your company? Well, it's the most basic, you know, I mean, this, this is kind of like breathing, you know, you have to, to kind of meet the basic salary requirements that someone's going to have um, when they're looking for a new position, or when you're trying to recruit them away from a, a current position. But there are other things that are far more complicated and com- and really can set you apart competitively um, that we're going to get into in a, a little bit, but money does matter, you know, it does. Um, I mean, the, the kind of most basic question you're, you're trying to answer when you're talking about a job is, does it meet my financial needs and, and goals? And so for us, we went through last year an extensive compensation study that we commissioned uh, with a consultant. Our goal with that was to position ourselves above the market, which we are. You know, every person will have to answer that um, themselves, you know, kind of like what their strategy is. Do they want to be kind of on the high end or middle or, or low? Could you just pause right there yeah. and give me some reasons why you would want to, as a company, put yourself in one of those strata? Well, I mean, the the easiest one is why you'd want to be above, you know, the average because it just sets you apart. It's one more way that people can differentiate your company and the opportunity to work there from another opportunity that they're considering. So, you know, you you want people not to be in a position where they're wondering if they're making what they're worth, um, where they're really being compensated in a way that they don't need to look elsewhere. I would also add to that, I want to pay people enough that they can live on where they're not having to take second jobs, where they're not having to do freelance work, you know, to try to make ends meet. And, you know, if that is a problem in the company, I want to know from those people that are, are struggling with that. But but I think we've gone to a to great lengths to make sure that what we're paying is is above market. You know, we did a salary survey right. with how many different companies did we do that with? Well, we did it at several different levels. We we had a general one that we we took public data from, and then we also commissioned a custom one where I think we had seven different companies. Yeah, so seven data. kind of pure uh, companies, companies that are in our space to try to assess what they were paying similar positions because we wanted to be, you know, above the market on this. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're saying that paying a bit above market rate on salaries actually makes you more profitable. Right. Well, when you think about part of the reason that you're paying above market is for retention. So people aren't looking, they're not going to to jump to go somewhere else because they can make 5% more, for example. Um, the cost of losing an employee and having to replace them is likely much greater than the small percentage more you'd pay to be competitive and retain them. One of the things I want to say about salaries too is that I think 
a lot of companies lead with this and kind of end with this. And a lot of employees only consider this and they need to look at total compensation of which mm -hmm. salary is only one component. That's why it's our level one. We're going to get into some other levels that are also important, but it's kind of like the baseline. Right. So it's certainly when I, in the past, when I've worked for other people and gone to look for a job, that's kind of like the first thing you look at, because I don't care how good your health benefits are. If the salary can't afford me to pay my bills, right. none of the rest of it really matters. So if I'm uh, in a business and I'm not sure whether I'm competitive or not, can you give me one tip to get started in, in finding out how to structure my salary? Probably the best advice I could give is to consider hiring a consultant. There may be resources for hiring industry-relevant consultants in um, trade organizations or other industry associations you may be a part of. You could also do this informally. You know, Larry, you mentioned before we started that you have done this informally, like in a ministry context with other peer contacts in your area. That can be great. Uh, there are a lot of factors to consider, including where you're located, including your industry, size of your team, things like that. So this is probably not something that you're going to have expertise on yourself. And Department of Labor statistics are notoriously unreliable. That's something to be aware of too. So we we did hire a consultant and that's the way that we got around it. And honestly, it wasn't that expensive. And then we have that data and it's going to serve us for several years. So how to create a company people are begging to join, one level at which you can attract people is through a competitive salary. Level two, incentivized bonuses. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, you can create a bonus program to incentivize certain behavior that you want to drive. So in our case, our bonus plans are related to our profit. So that's the thing that we're interested in um, driving and get, getting everyone's focus on. And it allows you to to get everybody on the same side of the table as you are as the owner. You know, you want people thinking about the things that you're thinking about as the owner instead of a whole bunch of concerns and interests. So it's a way to get the team aligned around a certain set of priorities um, that matter the most to the business. And this is important to say, we do not only bonus our sales team or our executive team, or in other words, just people who are uh, directly contributing to the profitability of our company. Every single person in our company has a bonus plan. Um, and and that's intentional because we, we want everybody thinking about the contribution that they can make either directly to supporting our profitability or to supporting someone who directly supports profitability, whether that's uh, the person they report to or someone on another team, but we're all working together in the same direction to accomplish the same goal. And you and you wanted uh, everybody to have a stake in the outcome. That's right. And so the way I want it as a business owner, if I win, I want everybody else to win. And so I, as Megan said, I want to sit on the same side of the table, all thinking like owners. And so that uh, we either win together or we lose together, but we're in this together. Can you define some terms for me? Because I've heard some of these bonus jargon out there. Uh, what is a no cap bonus? 
Well, a no-cap bonus means that you have a certain opportunity that you're offered. For example, a common structure would be a percentage of salary. So that there's some percentage of your salary, maybe it's 10 or 15 or 20% of your salary that you're eligible for receiving if you hit whatever the target is for revenue or profit or whatever the, the benchmark is. But a no-cap bonus means that that continues to go up. You, you continue to be able to earn as the company exceeds the target, um, which is great because you really don't want people to stop performing at the point that they hit the target. You want them to keep going. My conviction about that came out of a situation where I was, I had maxed out my bonus one year and the owner was having some regret about having to pay me a lot of money. And uh, I said, well, think of it this way. You know, it was because I drove the profitability that you also got your biggest paycheck ever. And I don't think you want to throttle that back with a cap because you don't want me to stop you know, because I can't make any more money, you mm-hmm. want me to keep going, right? Just And he said, yeah, absolutely. And so it totally reframed it for him and changed his mind. And I felt like that as a business owner is, as well. I never want people to lay down their oars and stop rowing. You know, I want people to be in it with me right till the end. Talk about the, a referral bonus. That's a, a different kind of bonus, a different kind of opportunity. So this is a new thing that we've started doing where what we found is the best hires that we make, generally speaking, I would say it's probably 75 to 80% of the time, come from internal referrals. So it's a friend or an acquaintance of someone who was already on our team. And so we They're thought- They're really well, pre-screening. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Good people attract good right. people. Right. So we thought, well, how could we incentivize that and get more of what's already working? And so we give a, a bonus to people for referring someone to our team that we end up hiring. And that's a cash bonus too. Right. So there has to be a certain length of service before it pays, right? Or maybe they get a part of it when the person starts and they get a part that's after right. they pass their one yes. year uh, anniversary. So yeah, it's it works great for everybody. Our team was very excited about they this. They were. What about the non-cash? I don't even know if we would call them bonuses. Yeah. But, perks. Um, Sometimes perks. they're called. Yeah, yeah. We get, you know... Uh, a company trip or uh, other kinds of opportunities that people may be given that just just different than a little something extra in your paycheck. What's the value of those, and in what you know? How do you decide when, where, how to give those kinds of perks? Yeah, I've seen that used a lot with sales contests, for mm-hmm. example, and I I think they can be very effective. First of all, it, it uh, injects an element of fun into your business and some friendly competition. So I think that that could be good. And you can make this this really fun and really simple, but it's kind of amazing what people will do for for a reward that's not worth that much. You know, it could even be a t-shirt or something, but just to say they won. And some people respond to that better than others. Mm-hmm. We haven't really done that very much. We've done trips and other yeah. gifts and things like that, but not really for the with the intention of driving results. It's it's been a kind of more part of our benefits package. Do you think you should ever offer a sort of a flat bonus, like everybody gets $500 at Christmas? Um, If it's a gift, I would think of that as a gift, not a bonus. I would too. I would think of any kind of bonus needs to be for the purpose of incentivizing behavior that you want to drive, so that you're ultimately driving results. Um, Otherwise, let it be a gift, which is fine. I mean, we we certainly give gifts to our, our team members, but we don't call it a bonus. Yeah. And I, again, I want something that's going to drive performance. Yeah. And so if you're guaranteeing it, that's not going to really drive performance. So let's say I don't have any bonus structure now in my company. Well, I would put into place a bonus 
that's based on the results you're trying to create. So if it's like us, if it's all around profitability, which by the way, I think that's usually the best one. Some companies do something that's based on revenue and profitability because they're trying to grow the size of the business. But regardless, whatever it is, I would get very clear on what it is you're trying to achieve and then what you're willing to pay to make that happen. In other words, how much of that growth, how much of that profitability am I willing to share with the team if I could better guarantee, because it's like an insurance policy, if I could better guarantee the result by incentivizing people to work together to make it happen, how much is that am I willing to give away? And then you have to kind of divide it by tiers. You know, you have to kind of set up, okay, my tier one people, maybe your executives, tier two, maybe the people in leadership, tier three, maybe people that are at a management level below that, and then maybe everybody else. You know, you can get as complex or as simple as as you want on that. But uh, But usually there are people that have a bigger impact on that result you're trying to create and other people that have a less of an impact on it. So you have to scale the bonus, you know, appropriately. Once you get it set up, it's a whole lot easier to administer after that. But getting it set up the first time is usually the most difficult. And by the way, if you have a little bit larger company or you're a little further down the road, an excellent resource that we're actually working with right now is a company called VisionLink. Uh, VisionLink creates both short and long-term compensation plans. It's you know fairly robust and would not be the right solution if you were a solopreneur or just starting out with a couple of employees. But if you need something that's really well thought out um, on either both the short and the long-term side of things, they are excellent. And I think we couldn't say enough good things about Oh my gosh, that has been one of the mo- one, that's been one of the best professional experiences I've ever yes. ever had. They have a modeling tool, for example, that enables you to create reports for your team member and their proprietary platform that kind of shows what the earning potential is over time, which is another great retention strategy. Hey everyone, Mike Boyer here once again. Did you know that listener reviews on iTunes are one of the main ways new listeners find Lead to Win? That means your review could go a long way to helping other busy leaders benefit from this great content. So would you take just two minutes to leave an iTunes review right now? That will really help boost the visibility of this podcast and we'll be very grateful. Also, remember to check out the show notes for today's episode at lead2.win. You'll find all the links mentioned today, plus a couple of bonus resources and a complete transcript of today's show. That's at lead2.win. And now back to the show. All right, so level one in attracting people to your company is a competitive salary package. Level two, incentivized bonuses. Level three, generous benefits. This is probably the forgotten area of compensation. And hence, an amazing opportunity. That's exactly right. So Megan and I were sitting, I think, in a hotel in Toronto where we were doing some planning after a conference we'd attended. And we said, look, if we're going to accomplish the goals we want to accomplish as a company, we're going to need some amazing talent. And how could we create a company that almost like we think of uh, creating a sales page to attract customers that would make it so compelling that people would be begging to get into the company? We said, if we were going to create a sales page like that was that was for our careers page, and by the way, you can see what we came up with because it's at michaelhyatt.com slash careers. But we said, what would be on that page? What would be the benefits package that would be super compelling mm-hmm. that people just like had to investigate? Yeah. And so this is one of my favorite things to talk about because um, I've seen the transformational value in the lives of our team members. But for example, we have unlimited PTO. 
Um, that's, that's a crazy one. That's a crazy one. And we weren't sure how it was going to go, but we've done it now for uh, two years or three years. Two years, I think. Yeah, two years. What's and, PTO just? Uh, pay time off. Yeah. So most companies would offer between two and three weeks of pay time off. Um, we have unlimited PTO, plus we have uh, days, federal holidays and such that the company is already closed. But we feel like people need to be in charge of their own personal margin. You know, they need to be in charge of getting the rest they need to perform at their best. And that most high performers, and I should say caveat, this this is um, depends on you hiring well on the front end, hiring people who are self-managing, who are uh, very responsible and, you know, self-regulated. But if they are, then giving them the freedom to, to regulate around this area is fantastic. We found that people still, on average, take about three weeks off. So there's not been any like wild, you know, kind of situations where people are taking ten weeks off a year or something, and they still have to get approval. They can't be gone for more than uh, ten consecutive business days at a time. But uh, it's it just feels like so much freedom for people, and the autonomy that comes from that is very attractive. I can tell you, as an employee, what you get from that is peace of mind. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working hard and pushing hard, sometimes we'd have to do that. I know I can just take it off next week if I need to. Right. I don't always do it, but I can push a little bit because I've got that margin coming if I need it. And if there's a family event, uh, I don't even have to right. think about it. Of course, you have to check the calendar for company events and things that are sort of hard boundaries. But if uh, my daughter asked me to go to a conference with her like she did last uh, fall, it's like, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can get two days off, no problem. I was very reticent at the beginning with this because I thought it, as a business owner, I mean, I, I, and it depends on the culture you come out of too, but if you have a low trust of people, you know, you think, oh my gosh, people are going to take advantage of me. And sort of that scarcity mindset that everybody's going to be going crazy. But I talked to my friend, David DeWolf, who a uh, former client of ours and, and still a very good friend, who did this with a company of about 600 employees. And I said, whoa. I said, how, how did that work? Has anybody abused it? He said, we've never had it abused. Pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So that gave me the confidence to, to pull the trigger. And I will say also, we've never had it abused. And people just, it gives them a sense of control. And Megan, the word you used, the magic word was autonomy. Mm -hmm. And Daniel Pink in his book, Drive, says that's one of three reasons that motivate employees yep. you know, to have that sense of autonomy. So another thing that we do is we provide um, a very generous, at least by American standards, parental leave benefit. And so for moms, we provide three months of paid maternity leave. And for dads, we provide six weeks. And in the U.S., that's a pretty rare thing. You know, certainly people are allowed to leave their jobs with the uh, guarantee that they'll have a job when they return, at least for uh, mothers, but not necessarily paid. And we feel like it's really critical that people have the time they need to spend with their families around the, the events of adding a new child to your family. And by the way, this applies for both biological children and adopted children. So it doesn't matter. We don't discriminate on that point. And then when they come back to work, they're really ready to be present again, and they can and feel healthy and strong and rested. And I'm telling you what, that that probably more than any other benefit we have, except maybe the unlimited PTO is, I think, our a biggest retention tool. I do too. Yeah. And I feel great about that because we're committed to families and we're committed That's to family right. values, but this is where the rubber meets the road. Yes. And you know, you got to put your money where your mouth is mm -hmm. as a as a business owner. Yes. So I think this is this sets up that family for the best. 
kind of family life when they've invested in their kids at that age. That's right, because we're really playing the long game. You know, when we think about PTO, when we think about parental leave, we also pay 100% of health care for our employees. We have a, a premium health care plan. And all of those things are investments we're making in the ongoing health and well-being of our team members. It's not just about recruiting. It's really about having alignment with our core values and creating transformation and a transformational experience over the long haul for our team members because we want them to stay. And, and probably the benefit that I'm most excited about that we haven't talked about yet is our 30-day paid sabbatical, yeah. which every employee in the company is eligible for after three years of service, right. and then after every three years thereafter. And our people have raved about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't expect them to check in with the company while they're gone. We don't expect them to take calls or answer email or think about work. This is just a time for them to focus on their cells, focus on their family, rejuvenate, and then return you know, energize. And I think we all need that. That's right. So our people have loved that. What's the difference between a sabbatical and a vacation? Yeah, I, I think of a sabbatical as a longer period of time. You know, I, I think it's extremely rare for people to take more than about a week at a time, almost impossible to take two weeks in most companies. And, and not because you wouldn't be allowed, but because I think a lot of employees just feel nervous about being gone that long. But this is a time to really unplug for an entire 30-day period. And the first time I experienced it, I can tell you that I was really kind of anxious as I went into that second week. Like, man, I need to get back. And after a few days, that passed, and then I settled into it. Mm -hmm. And there was a kind of release and a kind of rejuvenation that I'd never experienced before. By the way, just practically speaking, uh, these sabbaticals happen in June and July of our company because that's our slowest season. So as we've scaled and we've got sometimes five or six or more people taking these, and we've decided to kind of put those in a certain part of the year. So they're not happening all throughout the year, which would be kind of disruptive, um, but we have them scheduled during our you know, slow season. Tell me about how this benefits the company. Uh, you yeah. see how it benefits the employee, but if I'm a business owner, I got to be thinking an extra month off, that's going to be hard to give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does it benefit me, a business owner? Well, I'll tell you, this is a funny one. This is, this is probably something you wouldn't think of. I think it ensures that you build a company that's not dependent upon any one person. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons as a business owner, I actually do this every year because I don't want a company that's 100% dependent upon me either. And so if I can be away and my company can run and continue to grow while I'm gone, then that's a, that's a really good thing. Megan, are you gonna, you're, I think I about stepped on you. Well, one of the things that I was thinking of, and I've experienced this personally, I know you have too, but when people come back and they're super rested, the the contribution that they're able to make is exponentially greater than when they left. Yeah. So when people get burnt out, when they're tired, their creativity is kind of at a low. When they come back, usually – you know, they're full of ideas. They've had uh, experiences that have nothing to do with work, but have somehow stimulated their thinking, mm-hmm. their creativity, and and ultimately benefit the business. And I wouldn't want to say no to that. Well, another way it benefits a business too is not only is it an attraction strategy, and it's it's all these things put together, like the competitive salary, like the incentivized bonus, like your generous benefits, but all that adds up to a super attractive opportunity to attract right. the kinds of people that you want. And maybe even more importantly, for reasons you suggested earlier, Megan, uh, it's a great retention strategy. Yeah. You know, there there are people who have said to us, if this benefit was the only thing, I wouldn't leave the company because of this benefit. This would be too hard to replace someplace else. And even if they were working for themselves, they would never do that on their own. 
Well, that brings us to level four in creating a company that people are begging to join, and that is intentional culture. Hmm. How is culture an attraction to people, and what do you mean by intentional? Well, this is my favorite of all the levels because uh, it's the the easiest place to be competitive because so few people do it. You know, we all have examples in our mind like Google, you know, that that really focus on culture and do some really creative things and um, have a lot of fun. But especially if you're a smaller company, it's much more rare. And so when I think about intentional culture, I think about how do we intentionally foster connection between our team members? How do we create fun, an environment of fun? How do we create a company that is uh, healthy, that is in congruence with our core values? So those are just some of the elements that would be a part of that. But for example, you know, if you were to, to interview our team members, one of the things that they would say is they've never worked in a company that felt healthier, you know? where there wasn't uh, politics and gossip and integrity compromises at the top, um, where they could just trust that, you know, who we say we are is is how we behave. And, and there's an enormous amount of relief and trust that comes from that, which is exciting for people and often very refreshing. But the other thing is, is that we prioritize connection with our people. So we do an annual retreat, for example, at a really neat resort that's up in East Tennessee. And there's a a meeting that lasts for about two thirds of a day. But the rest of the time is all about connection. You know, we want we invite spouses to come to that. And we want people to be connected with one another. We want people to have friends within the company, you know, um, to feel known to to enjoy being with other people and to set the stage for that. We intentionally inject fun into our company. And so, for example, at that retreat, our uh, icebreaker was a Nerf gun battle that nobody knew was going to happen. But we had hidden Nerf guns up under the banquet tables in the room that we were meeting in. And all of a sudden, you and I, Dad, pulled them out and, you know, went to town. And... It was an absolute blast. The photos from that are so fun. But for example, we do monthly meetings with our team and we play games. We have Giant Uno and um, Giant Jenga and uh, Words with Friends. I can't remember. Heads Up is another one of those games. But we just try to have fun together. And when you think about the number of hours you're spending at work, if you can feel connected at work, if you can feel integrated you know, in terms of values and behaviors, and if you can have fun with other people... That's a place you never want to leave. How do you get the confidence to say, we're going to intentionally goof off? Most companies highly value productivity. Some are driven by it. If you're in a manufacturing environment, mm-hmm. for example, you've got to produce the numbers. And yet uh, you take uh, half of a day, probably once a month, for lunch and uh, game time or interaction how do you put a value on teamwork? You know, that's the thing and alignment and connection. And these are all soft kinds of things, I suppose, but we see it uh, manifest itself in increased productivity. We know from the science of productivity, which we've done a lot of work on, that people need breaks. That if people don't have breaks, if they just uh, kind of keep their nose to the grindstones, so to speak, that there's a limited amount of productivity that you can squeeze out of people or out of systems. So when you get to that point, you just got to say, Look, try to squeeze another, you know, little smidgen of productivity out of these people or out of ourselves becomes at some point counterproductive. I talked about in Free to Focus, the law of uh, 55, you know, that once you get to about 55 hours, you actually start to become less productive. And so there's only a certain amount you can do. 
But when people are aligned, when they like the people they're working with, here's the thing, they're engaged. And engagement is something you can measure and something that does have a value. And there's nothing like working with an engaged workforce. Well, to build a great business, you've got to have a great team. And you can become that company that people are begging to work for by structuring your offering to your team at four levels. Level one, a competitive salary. Level two, incentivized bonuses. Level three, generous benefits. And level four, an intentional culture. What's our final thought for the listeners today? I want to encourage you, if you're a business owner or a leader, to spend some time dreaming about what your company would have to look like if you are going to have people begging to join it. And challenge yourself to do this in reverse order. So don't start by thinking about the the salary and bonus plans. Those are the easiest to solve and honestly, the least unique. So kind of work backwards and think about that intentional culture and think about the generous benefits and get creative, have fun. Like the whiteboarding session, dad, that the two of us did in the hotel room, that was really the genesis for what we ended up with. And I don't want to stop. I want to continue to think about this um, because you can have an ability that is beyond what you would ever think to attract people that you might think are out of reach if you get these couple of things nailed. Yeah. And I would just add to that. One of the reasons that that whiteboard exercise worked for us is we put ourselves in the shoes of prospective employees. And we said, what would attract us? You know, what, what kind of company would we like to work for? And what would be an amazing work experience? And then we created that. Yep. And so that's where I think you got to start. And it's like, honestly, it's like any other kind of sales. You know, if you're going to sell to your customers, you got to put yourself in their shoes. And if you're going to sell to employees, because you're recruiting people, right? And they have an op- they have the opportunity to either sign up with you or not sign up with you. That's right. So how do I create an offering that's irresistible? Well, as always, guys, great advice uh, for our listeners. And thank you so much for sharing it. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Larry. And thank you guys for joining us for Lead to Win. And join us next time when we're going to show you how to create a meeting rhythm and a structure that will actually motivate your team. Until then, Lead to Win. This episode of Lead to Win has been brought to you by the Focus Leader One Day Intensive. To focus your leadership, claim your ticket to our September 5th intensive before June 15th when early bird pricing expires. Find out more at lead2.win slash intensive.